I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Art Attack with your host, art historian extraordinaire Lizzie Dastin, and myself, painter, artist, Justin Bua. Lizzie, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm super excited today to get to talk to Dami Lee, who just released this month a very fun, very impressive book called Be Everything at Once, and I just can't wait to uh, to get to talk to her about her illustrations, her work, her influences. So hi, Dami. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Um, how, how long have you been drawing? Take us on a little bit of a journey uh, on your trajectory uh, yeah. of being an artist. So um, I've basically always been drawing, like, since I was a little kid. Um, my mom used to put me in those, like, summer drawing camps and... Um, I used to take art classes like all throughout high school. Okay. Um, but I never really considered it like um, seriously, like as a career, I guess. Well, um, wait a minute. I I'm, was... I'm confused. <laughs> I've never, ever heard. I'm, a, I'm an artist, but I've never heard of a drawing camp. Have you? Oh, never. Ever. I'm super yeah. jealous. Yeah, that's really weird. I wish I went to a drawing <laughs> camp. It's like an art camp, you know, like six weeks of a uh, summer camp. Um, not like a sleepaway camp, but just like, you know, just classes that you take so your mom has somewhere to put you during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun. So what yeah. about drawing as a medium attracted you? Um, I guess just like being able to, um, you know, copy the things that I saw on TV, you know, starting with cartoons like Pokemon or, you know, like Baby mm-hmm. Moon. Um, and I, I think I was always drawn to like, um, comics just because I, I loved, um, reading, you know, manga comics, like growing up in Korea. And, mm-hmm. um, I would always like, uh, go back to Korea in the summers and, uh, like I didn't really have like any friends when I'd go back um, home to visit. So I would just like go to the, um, the comic book shop and like, you know, borrow all the comics they had and use that opportunity to like kind of brush up on my Korean. Mm. That's awesome. And I love your use too, not just of the medium of drawing, but also of the strategy of humor as a way to make your work accessible to a broader range of people. And we talk a lot about humor as this kind of underdog strategy for artists and it always just makes me really happy when I see people do it successfully so where where did that come from for you um I think it was always um like I kind of always knew that I'm not like a technically skilled artist like I know that in comparison to a lot of um the artists like you see online or you know like traditional artists like I I don't really have that sort of background um but I do like the way that the internet kind of allows you to um, like take your ideas and like condense it into something that's like easily shareable. Um, And like, that's always been um, sort of easier for me to write down like the things that happened to me that day or um, like use comments as a way to like talk about my feelings um, without, um, you know, having to write like a whole essay, you know, Yeah, it's like kind of a traveling diary a little bit. It's immediate, Mm -hmm. it's accessible, the visual style of your work 
conforms to that. So it really does seem like it's going to activate this whole large set of uh, viewers. And and who mm-hmm. are your early influences artistically? Like, uh, I could see, uh, I, I'm just guessing, but are, were you like a Peanuts fan or a mm-hmm. Burke Brethed? Or who, who did you love growing up in the cartoon space? Or- um, so I have a comic in the book about how much Garfield comics I used to read. Um, (laughs) So like when I first immigrated to America, I was six years old and I would just go to the library and read all the Garfield books Mm -hmm. I could find. And he has a Mm -hmm. bunch. There's like 40 or 50 of those like collections out there and uh, probably more now, but I would just like sit in the library and read all those. Like I really like the, the, you know, newspaper comic strips, including Peanuts and like Calvin and Hobbes, Foxtrot, um, things like that. Um, but on the webcomic side, I guess like, um, more recently, um, or I've always been influenced by, uh, Perry Bible fellowship mm-hmm. by Nicholas gear, that's always been one of my favorite webcomics. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like there's just so many great artists out there, especially yep. that now through like Instagram, you can discover like so many different styles and artists out there. You know what I, you know, Aaron Magruder, the creator of Boondocks, was always a good friend of mine, and uh, mm-hmm. I always, I always just love what he did. And I, you know, obviously your styles are very different from each other, but I could see a lot of similarities mm-hmm. because, you know, you really have those touch points of ethnicity and just, you know, dealing mm-hmm. as a person of color. You really touch on that a lot, and I think it's a, uh, it's really important, especially from your perspective. Would do you mm-hmm. ever? catch any flack like one way or the other from internally from the Korean community or externally from the non-Korean <laughs> Anglo community? Us. <laughs> oh, like have I ever caught any flack? Yeah. Um, not that I can think of really. Like, um, I think I've been really lucky that the response has been, um, pretty great. Like I've had a lot of Korean Americans, reach out to me and, you know, like say that they're really glad to have, um, like stories like ours being told. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons, um, why I wanted to tell my experience in this book, because like going back to the, um, like exploring all the Garfield books and the library thing. Um, I would also like try to find books on Korea, like when I was little and, there was like literally nothing, like maybe one book about like the history of Korea, but it was just like not relevant to me or like like familiar to me in any way. Um, so that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to write this book, um, you know, to have something that Korean Americans can um, share together. How did you come up with the title? Oh, so I think the title, um, we were playing around with, uh, something that would fit the theme of the book, which is sort of like um, like finding the balance between being like a Korean person and an American person, as well as like someone who is working, you know, like the daily office life of a millennial, but also trying to like pursue their passions in their free time. So it was like a balance of these two things. And originally the I thought um, like a nice title would be, um, uh, what is it? <laughs> balance is a myth or like something like that uh, or there's no such thing <laughs> mm-hmm. as balance um but then we were talking about it and we decided we didn't want to have the title take on like this negative tone 
So we thought we'd flip it around to something a little bit more positive and aspirational. And that's how uh, Be Everything at Once came about. That's awesome. And there seems in the content to be this use and exploration of intersectionality, which I think is another really mm-hmm. relevant thing to talk about and to do that, which is kind of a heady topic, but to use Mm -hmm. such a relatable visual language to explore those themes, that's really hard to do. It could be useful for our our listeners if we talked a little bit about just the format of a comic strip and how instead of the typical art that Bua and I talk about, which is just one solitary image where all of the information, Mm -hmm. the narrative is condensed in that one single frame, the composition, that you have access to a a serial of multiple narratives Mm -hmm. that will give more of a filmic sensibility. And we haven't really talked about Mm -hmm. art that aligns with that. So you are a perfect inroad into that discussion. Uh, Yeah, I think that, um, like, I don't want to say, like, Instagram has influenced, um, you know, the four-panel layout too much, but I think it unfortunately kind of has. Um, but basically, so Instagram kind of has space. influenced the four-panel layout, right? Is that what you're trying not <laughs> yes. to say? Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I mean, look, Instagram... It's, it's a little bit sad It's not. Me, I think. Why is that sad? Um, because so many people use Instagram for a lot of different things, and um, sometimes it's, you know, they just want to gain, like, followers really quickly, and, like, um, all they care about is, you know, the numbers, like how many followers you have, and they, they complete that with like their self-worth. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it kind of started out, uh, for me, like in a similar way, like I did want to, um, you know, have people reading my comics. Um, so if you look at a lot of, um, like web comics on Instagram, I do think they follow really similar formats where, um, like the punchline is like, oh, I thought this was going to happen to me, but this other thing happened instead. Or um, you have the really like monotonous um, panel panels where like everything is sort of the same, and then the third panel is like a little bit off. Um, so I, I do think that like I'm definitely guilty of following these trends and formats um, in the beginning to like build a following, but like lately I've been thinking more about like other ways to tell a story and how I can, you know, share my experiences, um, you know, in, in more like honest ways. Um, so actually they introduced like the slideshow, like carousel format recently. So mm-hmm. I've been experimenting with those more and like they, that does give you a little bit more freedom. So you get to, you know, share more images in that way. But I don't know. I think like, after the book was released, I found myself really hesitant to upload comics to Instagram. Like, I feel like there's more of a pressure for me now to like put like the absolute best content on there now, like just in case like new followers will come and see it. So it's like, um, kind of a struggle now. (laughs) But I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing because I'm just, I'm just justifying your own, uh, potential criticism of your of your of your work and your placement of it because I feel like your Instagram audience is not necessarily going to be your book audience which is not necessarily going mm-hmm. to be your print audience which is not necessarily and let's be real about Instagram I mean if you have a million mm-hmm. followers and you do a post what's the percentage of people that see it like 20 like a hundred thousand less probably less than 10 percent 
That's why people are posting oh, like, yeah. you know, eight or nine times a day now. Now you now people are doing stories. Mm-hmm. I don't even think you do stories, do you? Me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you do stories, don't you? Do? you? Yeah, I do. Um, and what a sellout. <laughs> what a sellout Justin, you are. Justin, you no, I'm do kidding. stories. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm totally I kidding. Stories, I think it's great. I think yeah. it's great. I think it's great for you to to totally be out there in any medium possible. And the medium is so plastic in terms of it's re- uh-huh. it's really like changing all the time. You know what I mean? It's got this amorphic right. amorphic nature to it that you might as well be there. You might as well be in the consciousness of that generation or whatever it is, your books. Uh, you do The New Yorker too, right? Yes. I mean, that that is such a cool coup, by the way. Just going to pat on your back and stroke your ego because being in The New Yorker, <laughs> being in The New Yorker is, is a really big deal, you know? So, like, the fact that you've, you're in that space and you're on Instagram. Instagram is more like for the people. New Yorker's for the highbrow. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, everywhere. To operate in all of those places, that's really the goal. And when you work for The New Yorker, does the tone of your work change? So the thing about The New Yorker is uh, I've only been on NewYorker.com, and I haven't been able to get one of those, like, gag comics, like, in print. Um, and that's, like, you know, like a process that usually takes months before they'll publish one of your comics. And... Um, like, I think the reason I haven't been able to do that is just because it's so hard for me to like change that mindset from going from a four panel comic to a single panel gag strip. Um, and also the visual style is a lot different from what I'm used to. So it's something that I'm still working on and I would like to get something in print someday. Um, but yeah, like the New Yorker colleagues, um, that I've met, um, from going into the office um, once a week. Or, well, well, I don't really go in, but <laughs> I went. I think I went maybe like twice. But you could say you go they, in. They do have like the weekly cartoon, cartoonist gatherings uh-huh. um, where you go and you pitch um, 10 gag strips and Emma Allen, the cartoon editor, will review them on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like super intimidating, but it's also nice to go into this, you know, space and meet all the other cartoonists who are like doing the same thing as you well there's a lot i mean i grew up in the new yorker i i still read it to this day but you know there's there's adams Mm -hmm. and there's steig and there's just so many people who are so good uh who've who've Mm -hmm. really really one of the main reasons why i read the new yorker besides the great articles is because i could read all these great you know look at all this great art and of course the new yorker covers Mm -hmm. which are always pretty cool but Lizzie, you were going to say mm-hmm. something. Oh, yes, I was. So for going back to your book, the secondary title is Tales of a Cartoonist Lady Person. And mm-hmm. as yeah. a historian lady person, I just thought that that uh-huh. phrasing was really fun. And I'm wondering how your experience as a woman has, or just, I guess, your experience as an illustrator, how has that intersected with your experience as a female illustrator? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked calling myself a cartoonist lady person. I just think that combination of words is really funny. Um, but I, it's also kind of like an intentional thing because I think that the word cartoonist has been linked to, you know, like older male artists, like for a really long time. Um, so I did want to like make it a point to get that in there. Um, but as far as like my experience being, you know, like a 
female illustrator. I guess I don't really think about it too much, <laughs> um, especially in the web comics. If I do think there's a lot of like female illustrators and web comic artists um, working right now, and they're all like so good. And um, the web comics community uh, that I've met has been like everyone has been like really supportive of each other. So that was one of the um, I think one of the best parts of having people read my comics more um, has been like finding this community. Cause there's like, when I was living in Korea after college and I was like uploading these comments to my Tumblr, it was literally like zero people were reading them. So it's really like strange to me now that like, I do have this like audience. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think like gaining these audience, gaining this audience like so quickly has shaped the way that I tell um, these stories. So like, I do want to explore what uh, my storytelling will be like um, from now on, like from this point on. Well, I have a, I have a question. Does your popularity now give, you know, make you make choices that you wouldn't necessarily make before? In other words, do you feel like you're catering at all mm -hmm. to your audience because you know you have an audience now you know there's expectations yeah. you feel the pressure of put of putting it out i mean that's what happens when you're successful uh -huh. on any level right so uh -huh. are you feeling that pressure and do you feel that you are catering to your audience um like i do think that i have to cater in some way mm -hmm. where like i kind of have a schedule where i upload maybe two comics a week and mm -hmm. for the last like week or so I kind of like like I, I've been producing comics but I didn't feel like posting them just because I wasn't very confident that they were like funny or good so I'm still like kind of holding on to them and um waiting for the right time um but I think it's really different now that I have this book like just the difference in um, like online popularity and actual popularity mm -hmm. um in you know like i think looking at book sales numbers later like it's very humbling mm -hmm. i will say it's nowhere near you know the amount of like instagram followers that i have and you know it's something that i was kind of expecting um while like, i was making the book and like when it was being released um so uh, I have like a book launch event coming up at the end of this month and I'm just like very anxious about it because it's not very often that I get to like meet readers in person. Um, I've only like gone to San Diego Comic-Con like just for the first time this year. Okay. So this is all like still really new to me. Where is your launch party? Is it in New York? Um, yeah, it's at Powerhouse uh, Arena in Dumbo. It's at Powerhouse. Is this an exclusive VIP black tie event, or is any riffraff off the street like Lizzie <laughs> allowed Anyone to go? Is welcome to come. Please okay. come. Okay, please tell us I'll the have cookies. There'll be wine. Okay, will, will the cookies be infused with marijuana, or will they be normal cookies? They'll be normal cookies, but they'll have. I'm not um, coming. My book cover printed on it. Okay, well maybe oh, I'll come. Oh, that's so fun. Made. Okay, Dami, where is that? Dami, 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 what time and at what time is it? Where is it? Tell everybody. It's, it is at uh, 7 p.m. next Wednesday, August 29th. Perfect. At and, Powerhouse Arena. And Dami, 
your book, Be Everything at Once, is available right now for pre-order, correct? Um, it's actually available to buy. It came out um, two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago. Perfect. So where can you get it? What's the best place to get it? Uh, wherever you can get your books from. Um, Nowhere. All of Amazon, the bookstores around me have closed down. <laughs> I know. It's so upsetting. All of the bookstores <laughs> are not open anymore. I did two books with HarperCollins, and the bookstores that I had releases at are no longer there. Some of them are just gone. Really? So, yeah. So Amazon's a good choice because people yeah, like Amazon's myself. Good, Barnes & Noble. Okay. Um, Borders. Borders gone. I think Borders is Strand. gone. Borders There's is gone. There's a place called The Last Bookstore in L.A., so maybe. Oh, and if you're in New York, you can go to The Strand. Yep, The Strand. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so exciting, and I hope that it just propels you to continue developing your confidence as a creator because what you're doing is really exciting and you're able to to really connect with different spectrums of people working in Mm -hmm. the new yorker working in your own book working on your social media and so that what a a powerful platform that you have yep thank you so much thank you for talking to us and we wish you the best of luck with your book, and we will be following you. We already Thanks do. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's so great talking do. to you. <laughs> Thank <Well>. you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.